You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Total Onslaught Final Conflict, Episode 2, with Walter Fight. I'm very happy to see you this evening. And I'm glad I didn't chase you away last night. You know, it is so easy to conceive of this message as being judgmental. And the line between judgmental and exposing is very, very narrow. Would you agree with me? And it's a scary message that I have to give to you tonight. I'm, I'm scared of it. And I'm always scared when I give it. And my slide keeps jumping by itself. It's very disobedient. And I don't want you to get the impression that I'm preaching fanaticism. I loathe fanaticism. I loathe judgmentalism. I loathe all of those things. And believe me from the bottom of my heart, if I walk past whoever it is who is in error, the judgmental attitude is the furthest from my mind. When I see these young people with their hair, you know, up like a peacock painted purple and green and yellow, and about 50 ear earrings in the ear, if I were to go to him and, and say, you know, what you're doing is absolutely incorrect, I mean, you better sort your life out or else, you know, you're going to be frying. <laughs> what will I do? He'll just purchase another five earrings and put one in the nose and one who knows where, you know. It'll make no difference. You see, what we are seeing is a symptom. We're seeing a cry for help. Isn't that right? That's right. And that's how we must see every single human being on the planet. So tonight I'm going to say some horrible things. Worse than yesterday. Because it comes so much closer to home. You know, the closer it gets, the worse it is. And there's another thing we must remember. And that's the difference between Babylonians and non-Babylonians. People who have grown up as non-Babylonians don't know what it's like to be a Babylonian. They think it's great to be a non-Babylonian. But be in Babylon and have to come out, it's the hardest thing in the world. And I'll tell you, I would have moved heaven and earth not to become a non-Babylonian. Because let's face it, we're weird. I've said this many times and it's true. Why would anyone in his right mind want to become an Adventist if he is not an Adventist? There must be compelling evidence for him to become an Adventist. It must be compelling and we have an admonition, compel them to come in. So we, we don't want to be judgmental and we don't want to be harsh and we don't want to bash and we don't want to this and we don't want to that. But we have a very distinct message. And we try and bring it gently. And the, gentlier, the, the more gentle we bring it, the less we grow. In Europe, our church is not growing at all. Not at all. Because they're trying that method. And it doesn't work. 
Why would anyone in his right mind make a switch if there's no difference? Isn't that right? Okay, why would you want to do it? it and it's ridiculous. So please see it in that light. I am not judgmental tonight. I am exposing. That's all. And please don't say, he's saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm just reading it. Please, they are saying it. Okay? And I've made sure of that. They are saying it, not me. So before we start, let's just ask God to be with us. Heavenly Father, without you, we would be adrift on a sea of error and delusion. What a gracious God you are that you have given us such wonderful guidelines. And Lord, there are brands out there burning. If we had children that we knew, Lord, were in dire straits in organizations or whatever peril that would cost them their lives, we would move heaven and earth to show them their error and save them. How much more so, more so your children that are scattered throughout the globe in all kinds of organizations and all kinds of mysteries. And I know that you love every single one of them because while we were yet sinners, you died for us. So grace us with your presence tonight, dear Lord, and help us to discern exposure from judgmentalism. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, here I go. God help me. Religious controversy. The prophet says, I saw another angel come down from heaven. This comes from two selected messages. Having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and become a habitation of devils. We've spoken about this yesterday. This is the same message that was given by the second angel. Because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. What is that wine? Her false doctrines. She has given to the world a false Sabbath instead of the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. And has repeated the falsehood that Satan first told Eve in Eden. The natural immortality of the soul. And that obviously includes that we are gods. Many, many kindred errors she has spread far and wide, teachings for doctrines, the commandments of men. And there was a time, you know, when she was exposed. Then I saw another mighty angel, and this one having great power and glory. And he came and he repeated the message, and then he adds, but she's become a foul, a hold for every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So the message of Babylon is given by the second angel, is repeated with the additional mention of the corruptions which have been entering into the churches since 1844. So what is the loud cry? Babylon is fallen with the additional mention of the corruptions which have come into the churches since 1844. Now when you do that, are you being judgmental or are you trying to show something? That is the question. Why would people change if they thought they were saved? This is a wonderful experience. I don't have to change. Why? Makes no sense. 
Then I heard those clothed with the armor speak forth the truth with great power. It had its effect. It is the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the loud cry of the third angel, which has included in it the repetition, the second temple cleansing of Babylon is fallen. Through the two great errors, the immortality of the soul and Sunday sacredness, Satan will bring the people under his deceptions while the former lays the foundation for spiritualism. The latter creates a bond of sympathy with Rome. The Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hands across the gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. They will reach over the abbots to clasp the home the hands of the Roman power, and under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome in trampling on the rights of conscience. That is as straight as you can get it. And the only way to get rid of it is to negate the prophets. So Protestantism will embrace spiritualism and union with Rome. Now last night we spoke about occultism and how through the Jesuits this is spread throughout the world under the most severe cloaks. They want all to be one under them to build the kingdom of Satan in the earth. That's what they want to do. And God's people scattered throughout the world are stuck there. Now there was a time when Protestants, you know, Spoke, Luther said, I know that the Pope is the Antichrist and that his seat is that of Satan himself. The papacy is a general chased by command of the Roman pontiff for the purpose of running down and destroying souls. That's pretty straight talk, right? That was Luther. Move when I say it. <laughs> and he said, this is the Antichrist. That's what he said. And then the reformers hewed it in stone to make sure that posterity would never forget their stance. Here on the Ratshaus in Nuremberg, that's the town hall, they put Daniel 7 in stone. They put the lion with eagle wings and they put Nebuchadnezzar next to it. They said it was Babylon. They put the bear with three ribs and they put Cyrus the Great and they said it was Medo-Persia. This is the Reformation. Then they put the leopard beast with the four heads and they put Alexander the Great next to it and they said it was Greece. And then they put the terrible beast with the ten horns and the prominent horn between his eyes and they put Julius Caesar next to it and they said it was Rome. Not Antiochus Epiphanes down there somewhere. Rome. And then they put the little horn in the middle, and he said, I know that his seat is that of Satan himself. That's what Luther said. And they put it in stone. Everybody can see it, and nobody believes it anymore. Isn't that incredible? God saw to it that they put it in stone. This mother of all the churches, Imater Ecclesia, and the present Pope wrote this, the churches are no sisters of ours. You know these statements. Let me just go back to that one and bring this thing a little bit forward. Sorry. 
It must always be clear that the one holy Catholic and apostolic universal church is not the sister but the mother of all the churches. That was Cardinal Ratzinger, the present Pope Benedict. And he didn't mince any words. Now, what changed between the Reformation and the year 2000? We know that the spirit of prophecy says it's not Rome that changes, it's Protestantism that will change, right? So what was the Catholic controversy? The King James foreword said, the papacy is the man of sin, and warned, get away from all these popish persons. And the Douay Bible, which was the Catholic one, said, the Protestant clergy are thieves, murderers, ministers of the devil. They didn't like each other, eh? Not at all. And then the Western Watchman said, Protestantism, the murderous hag, is slowly dying of corruption and congenital rottenness, and she will not much longer encumber the earth. That was in 1914. So slowly, slowly, things started changing. Rome in 1914 said Protestantism was never a religion, never could be considered as a religion at all. It was a form of rape and robbery masquerading as a religion. There was tremendous controversy. The Council of Trent tried to resolve these issues, and they reaffirmed every single doctrine disputed by the Reformers. Later on, we will go into why they actually lost at the Council of Trent, the Reformation. Very interesting. Transubstantiation, justification by faith and works, the mass, the sacraments, celibacy, purgatory, indulgences, papal power was increased. Any of those rescinded since now? No. In fact, the year 2005, the greatest indulgence of all time was still proclaimed by John Paul II for anyone that bowed down and revered the host in that year, the year of the Eucharist. Mary was the mediatrix. The sinner can come only to her. And even, you know, in Woman Rides the Beast, blessed you can be only through Mary. So there's no change. And the Jesuits were asked to champion the Counter-Reformation. The Jesuit Catechism says, quote, question, what if the Holy Scriptures command one thing and a Pope another contrary to it? Answer, the Holy Scriptures must be thrown aside. Pretty straight talk. And what is the Pope? He's the vicar of Christ, king of kings, lord of lords, taking all the titles of Jesus Christ. We saw last night that the objective of the Jesuits, and still is, was to destroy the effects of the Reformation and to reestablish the Holy Roman Empire. There we go. And uh, Leo Lehmann in 1942 said, A greater Germany, in other words, must be made again the center of a revived Holy Roman Empire. It's an interesting statement. It's kind of scary. We now have a German as the head of the Jesuits, and we have a German as a pope, and he's just an appoint, appointed an almost total German staff. Isn't that interesting? Is that when I saw one of the heads that were wounded to death? You know these things. I'm rushing through them. And uh, the wound was healed, and everybody wandered after him. And that happened after Vatican II. All of a sudden... Things changed. Well, what happened at Vatican II? We have to look at this. You see, Rome supposedly changed its attitude, but it actually didn't. It was just interpreted that it changed its attitude. At the Vatican II, the document, page 83, Vatican II said, music 
must play a very prominent part in the liturgy until there is one fold and one shepherd. So they realized how important music was going to be. And then we want musical celebration, popular devotions, popular religious songs. There must be participation which must be external as well as internal. You must have gestures, bodily attitudes, acclamations, responses, singing. Document Vatican II, page 84. So Rome's solution to the theology crisis is let's forget about theology, let's move. That was the solution. And the man appointed to gloss over the theology was Karl Rahner, and he was a theology professor, of course, at their most prestigious institution of the Jesuits. And, uh, well, what was the result? Here's one of his students, Paul Nitter, from Cincinnati, Xavier University. By the way, did you know that Xavier University in Cincinnati, I was actually there, is on Ignatius Loyola Street? Isn't that interesting? That's most interesting. He writes this book, No Other Name, which is prescribed in most theological institutes in the world, where he faces this conundrum as to whether you can be saved in any other name. And he comes to the conclusion that a person can. And it says over here, Nitta answers is one can be saved by... Excuse me. One can be saved by some other name, and then he proceeds to show how this affirmation can be squared theologically with a full Christian commitment. This is first-rate creative theology. I always say that's the only sentence I agree with. It's very creative, but it's very incorrect. It's not biblical. The Bible says there's only one name whereby you can be saved. By the way, there's a sign of humanism up there. That tells us something. So ecumenism was designed, as Catholic conceded, to bring everybody under the spiritual authority of the Bishop of Rome. And in fact, if you go to the World Council of Churches website, they'll tell you oikomena means the whole human race must be subject to this situation. Now tonight, I want to talk about the second component of Babylon. Last night we dealt with the beast. We finished with him. Now we're going to deal with the false prophet. And what does the spirit of prophecy say? Who's the false prophet? The fallen Protestant churches into which corruption has come since 1844. And what is that corruption? Allowing spiritualism to come in and clasping the hands of Rome. Was that correct? Is that what you said? All right. So in other words... These churches have bona fide members honestly serving the Lord to the best of their knowledge, but the system has become spiritualism. Is, am I correct in that interpretation, or am I way out of line here? The truth is, the Jesuits of Rome have perfected Freemasonry to be their most magnificent and effective tool accomplishing their purposes amongst Protestants. Now, Protestants were always weary of Rome, so why not create a front, and out of this front, organize the churches, and then nobody will know who it ever was. You see how it works? 
So that's very clever. So now, tonight, we have to carefully discern where is the occult influence that we spoke about last night. This reverse theos, where Jehovah becomes Lucifer, and Lucifer becomes Jehovah. Where do we find it? Who's preaching it? And who do they belong to? Isn't that a fair question? So it might be very painful tonight, but I'm trying not to be judgmental, just revealing. So by 1989, the Anglican Church was ready to accept Rome again, better together. And then Runcie signed the document with the Pope, declaring that the Pope would be primate. The next one to take Runcie's place was Carey. And he was a propagator of speaking in tongues and the charismatic movement and lots of music and celebration and bodily gestures. And, you know, if you move a lot, you can't read a lot. It's very hard. Cardinal Joseph Sinens, Templeton Prize winner, that's a very interesting thing as well, he says, since I have, this is a Roman Catholic, since I have had this charismatic experience, my allegiance to the Holy Father as the vicar of Christ in the world has been heightened and strengthened and my appreciation of Mary has greatly increased. So is this spirit that he's experiencing and he sits on most of the boards governing this worldwide, is it from God or is it from another source? If God declared the beast to be his enemy, his counterfeit, on this earth. The next one following Carey is uh, Williams, and he's a very liberal-minded man who doesn't mind homosexuality in the ranks. Now remember that Baphomet was worshipped through homosexual rituals as well. This is an interesting point. And then all of a sudden, the architecture of the church, the Anglican church, changes dramatically and instead of St. Paul's Cathedral in London looking like it used to, it now is an exact replica of the Vatican. Isn't that interesting? She has become an image of the beast, Protestantism. That's what St. Paul's used to look like. That's what it looks like now. Quite a transformation, wouldn't you agree? If you go inside, whoa, that's the main floor of worship there. And it's built like a witch's circle. It's occultism of the highest degree with the squares and the black and whites and the blaze of the blazing star in the center, which is Sirius, which is the emblem of Lucifer. They have the pentagram openly on the floor. I took these myself, so I'm not making this up. And then, those are my shoes. Then they have the symbol of the, the sun, the moon, and the stars representing the three aspects of this deity, the face of Apollo. Then they have straight Luciferian occult symbols of the triangle in the circle in the square, which is masonry at its highest level with a peacock sitting on the globe, symbol of Lucifer, the all-seeing one. And they have necromancy, which God forbid, that's the corpses under the altar, they have ISHS in the blazing star, Isis Horus Sep in their, in their mass uh, regalia. They have the pelican that feeds its young. Remember that it feeds its young 
its own flesh, symbol of Lucifer. And upon the ceiling, beautifully displayed this symbol. Who does it belong to? Masonry. It belongs to masonry. That's very interesting. So this church is governed by masonry. That's why it's also changed architecturally. Well, I found this one interesting. Somebody gave this to me. The Calgary Sun, May 23, 2005. Alberta Masons dedicate the Anglican Church. There is the Master Mason dedicating the cornerstone of the Anglican Church here in your own backyard for another hundred years. I hope he's miserably wrong. I want Jesus to come soon. For unity, all churches must accept papal authority. Uh, that was Pope John Paul II in 1995. Undagani also went there and spoke to him. And then suddenly Protestantism collapsed. That bild shows the Pope shaking hands with Martin Luther. And it says, from heretic to fellow traveler. From Ketzer zum Weggefährten. And in the biggest Protestant church in Berlin, they have again pictures and statues of Mary and candles and all of those things. Then the synod of the Lutheran church got together, Heiße Eisen, Alte Zöpfe, you know, the old battle between them. Der Papst soll nicht mehr Antichrist genannt werden. The Pope may no longer be called Antichrist. So, that's a big step from Martin Luther, would you agree? From the first slide. Now, we hear they're going to go back to Rome. And now, how are you going to justify this theologically? Well, if we move a lot, we can't read a lot. So, Theologen wollen lebendiger werden. The theologians want to become livelier. The shirts have to get a little bit shorter. And then you can get very excited about all of this. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. But it's leading them back to Rome and rolling up the Reformation. Right or wrong? All right. And then I thought I was going to die. Germany calls to ask, forgive Luther. So now, this year, at the Congress in Italy, where the Pope resided, the new Pope, the Protestant Church, the Lutherans, a whole section of them said, we want to be part of the Mother Church again. Whoa, we've come so far. And then the Calvinists, you know, the last real power bastion of Calvinism in southern Africa. Here in southern Africa, what a sad situation. I'll talk about them in a moment. The Lutheran leader... He said in 2001, Ishmael Noko, General Secretary of the Lutheran World, he said, well, we can look to the Pope as the spiritual leader. And then also the Dutch Reformed Church. I'll read this because it's, this is the nicest language in the world. Katholieke ingekerk, jammer oor slechtseerij. Isn't that nice? <laughs> the Catholics and the Dutch Reformed Church are sorry about all the bad things they said in the past. We're sorry we called you bad names like Antichrist. And now that we no longer call you that, we better stop people from reading their Bible. So, handige klap, kerse, ikons is in. 
which means lots of hand clapping, lots of icons, and that's the in thing in the church. In my church, you will hear Roman songs, the Te Deum. And if anybody has a problem with that, says the moderator, well then, tough cheese. They go back. And the report, 2004, Kerse in Kreise. Candles and crosses back in the Protestant church. Well, and then the hymnal is changed so that we can get the Catholic songs into the hymnal and you have the symbol of Baal Haddad over the new hymnal. Fascinating stuff. These are the mega Pentecostal churches. Did you know that the mega Pentecostal movement was actually in the beginning run from South Africa? Even here in Canada, your Toronto blessing, the first time it happened was under the auspices of Rodney Howard Brown, the Holy Ghost bartender, a South African. We have good stuff and bad stuff in our country. Well, here are the top theologians of the uh, evangelical uh, charismatic churches. Here is the president of the full gospel a pro, um, a punkster. <laughs> Pentecost churches and we have the moderator of these churches and we have all of these people writing this wonderful book and telling us believers that try to keep the law are in slavery but believers that live in the fullness of the new covenant are free therefore it is dangerous for believers in the church period to be associated with the law. Churches that read the Ten Commandments on Sunday in the assembly bring their members under the impression that they are still under the law and that they must try and keep the law. And Christians who today try to keep the Ten Commandments hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's Protestant theology today. Isn't that scary? If you love me, keep my commandments. He who says he loves me and keeps not my commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's all it takes. Revelations, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not done this? Have I not done that, that? And I will say to them, I do not know you, you who practice anomia, anomia, lawlessness against the law of God. I mean, the Bible is so clear. You really don't have to even think about it. Now, remember the World Council of Churches was also under the auspices of Freemasonry, Gary H. Carr said. Please, not me, I'm just quoting. Here is the World Council of Churches. Come, Holy Spirit, renew the whole creation. Remember that Lucifer was also called by Blavatsky the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that in the quote yesterday? And, uh, well, we can quickly look at uh, Gary H. Carr's slide there. Freemasonry controlling the World Council of Churches. Of course, Freemasonry just being a front for the Illuminati and the inner circle of the spiritual hierarchy of occultism, which has its heart in the Roman Catholic Church. We saw that through the Templars, what they teach, what the Jesuit teaching is. Alice A. Bailey, founder of Lucifer Trust, said, there will not be any dissociation between the universal church the sacred lodge of all true masons and the inner circle of the esoteric societies. And there will be a new church of God led by all the religions and by all the spiritual group shall put an end to the great heresy 
of separateness. So we're heading towards a clash. There's a group which says, come out and be separate. And there's a group which says, that's a heresy. We'll see where that leads. One of the top spokesmen at the World Council of Churches meeting is Chong Kyung. She is a professor of theology. She is a Protestant, Presbyterian. Here she is burning a list of spirits that she invoked, including Mahatma Gandhi, Steve Biko, and even Jesus. Eighteen times, says Dave Hunt, Chung summoned the spirits of the dead who had suffered injustices uh, without hearing the cries of these spirits. We cannot hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't bother the spirit by calling her all the time, added Chung. I hope the presence of our ancestors' spirits here with us shall not make you uncomfortable. Is that spiritism or not? Yes. And there's a Protestant speaking. She said, I come as a shamanist, a Buddhist, a Confucius, a Taoist, a Christian. When I look at our history of religion, we have 5,000 years of shamanism, 2,000 of Taoism, 2,000 of Buddhism, and 700 years of Confucianism, and then well, only 100 years of Protestantism in Korea. Therefore, whenever I go into the temple, I look at Buddha. I feel so young. Buddha died in his 80s. Jesus died when he was 33. Maybe Jesus should be called too young to understand. This is the World Council of Churchmen spokesman speaking at the World Council of Churches. I feel like my bowel is shamanist, my heart Buddhist, my brain Confucianist, and so we go on. It's a new trinity of God. And then, when she was again guest speaker in Harare in November 1998, she performed the Central Dance, and then she declared at this World Council of Churches meeting that to witness about Jesus Christ to another person is in reality an act of violence. When reminded that Jesus said in John 14, 6 that he is the only way, Kyung said Jesus was mistaken. That's Protestantism speaking at the World Council of Churches. Now, it is an act of violence because you are transgressing a law of human rights. Everybody has the right to his own religion and to assert that one is superior over another is transgressing against the human rights and dignity of that person. So that is the new law. It will be illegal to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. He cannot be superior to any of the others. Now, if we go to the numerous hundreds of articles and websites, and believe me, I've been very, very careful in putting any of this on the screen, because you cannot imagine how you can get lambasted for this. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying what these people wrote, including people like Shaw. He says that it is a well-known fact that Norman Vincent Peale was a 33-degree Freemason. And uh, he said, Freemasonry has always welcomed men of all faiths and religious beliefs to enter its door. The only requirement is for good men to believe in the supreme architecture and the immortality of the soul. Now, we saw yesterday in that quote that the supreme architect is the equivalent of Lucifer. And the immortality of the soul is the method that will be used to bring spirituality or the spiritualism into the churches. These are the people that are listed as 33-degree Freemasons on the sites, in documents, 
in books that are very well documented, and I'm just reading them. I'm not saying anything. Billy Graham, Norman Vincent Peale, Robert Shula, Oral Roberts, Jesse Jackson, and then Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, former Jehovah's Witness uh, founder, Taze Russell. These are the names that are listed. Peel endorsed, for example, channeled messages called the Jesus Letters. The amazing holy letters were written one each day in a two-year period. And uh, he said, it doesn't make any difference whether they come from Jesus or whether they come from Jane or who they come from. It's all the same spirit. You see, so spiritualism was endorsed by Peel. It little matters if these writings come from Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus of Jane. They are all the same consciousness, and that consciousness is God. I'm part of God, and Jane and Anna are part of that same God. What is that? What theology is that? Pantheism. Now, I want you to become mega aware of pantheism. We are told in the spirit of prophecy that the Alpha was what in our church? Kellogg preaching pantheism. And then we are told that the Omega will be most startling. Books of a new order will be written and the people will be thinking that they are doing a marvelous work. Who's read that quote? There are hands going up. Pantheism is one to watch. It is a very subtle concept. Here it's a little bit subtle, but you can recognize it still readily. When it gets more subtle, then it gets scary. The Temple of Understanding has this to say. This is a recognized United Nations organization founded by very high United Nations officials with their seat at the Cathedral of St. John's the Divine. And I told you, when you speak about St. John's, then you get very nervous. This is where they have the female Christa hanging. This is where they inaugurated the first homosexual bishop. This is where it all comes from. And they say interfaith is a most fundamentally is most fundamentally respect. At the bottom of this line is respecting different traditions, different religions, different faiths. So maybe a slogan we can have is not conversion, but communion. Communion with compassion. That's the bottom line. Now it's fascinating that there was a, a European church day for Protestant churches in the entire Europe, particularly Germany, just this year. And the theme of the entire conference in Germany amongst the Protestants was not conversion, but communion. This is interesting. So God no longer calls people out to repent, and be converted, this is a new ball game. So now, we've seen a list of names, prophets. Now the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Let's look at this man who is listed as a 33 degree Freemason, a mega Protestant teacher, 
Robert Schuller. We saw the theology yesterday of the occult. Let's see. I discovered the reality of that dynamic dimension in prayer that comes through visualization. Spiritualism or not? Visualization is spiritualism. Don't try to understand it. Just start to enjoy it. It's true. It works. His pen, not mine. Here is his mega church, which was also approved and blessed by the Pope himself, Pope John Paul II. This man has a tremendous influence. What sets me apart from fundamentalists is they're always trying to convert everybody to believe how they believe. We know the things the major faiths can agree on. We try to focus on those without offending those with different viewpoints. Can you see this knife method? This is very soothing and sounds very nice. But here's a problem. When we know we've been redeemed and we know we are part of God's family, we are ready to dream the great divine dream of building the kingdom of God in the world. Oops. My God says, my kingdom is not of this world. Who wants to build a kingdom in this world? Satan wants to build a kingdom in this world. And now let's go to the hub. And this is very serious. The church's problem is that it has had a God-centered theology for centuries when it needs a man-centered one. We're not bad, merely badly informed of how good we are. It would be an insult to the integrity of any human being to call him a sinner. Jesus knew his worth, his success, fed his self-esteem, he suffered the cross to sanctify his self-esteem, and he bore the cross to sanctify your self-esteem. The cross will sanctify the ego trip. That's blasphemy. That's straight blasphemy. But here is the hub of the matter. Please note. The church's problem is that it had a God-centered theology for centuries when it needs a man-centered one. Who in the Bible prescribed worship? God. And what if you contravened his prescribed worship? What if you decided, well, we need a little bit of extra fire here? What happened to Nadab and Abihu? What happened to them? God cannot be trifled with. We cannot prescribe to God how we want to worship him. He prescribes to us how we worship him. And we change, not God, because with him there is no shadow of turning. Right or wrong? All right, so here we have a new theology. Very acceptable theology. Now let's go to the Vatican official foundational starting point is man. This is Vatican II, document number 64, Gaudium et Spes. I'm very careful what I say. It is man himself who must be saved. It is mankind that must be renewed. It is man, therefore, who is the key to this discussion. Man considered whole and entire, with body and soul, heart and conscience, mind and will, this is the reason why this sacred synod, Vatican II, in proclaiming the no noble destiny of man and affirming an element of the divine in him, oops, offers to cooperate unreservedly with mankind in fostering a sense of brotherhood 
to correspond to this destiny of theirs. So the theology is God-centered or man-centered? Man-centered. So is Shula preaching Catholicism, occult Catholicism, or is he preaching Protestantism? He's preaching occult Protestantism. That even we are divine. Well, here was an interesting discussion with uh, Robert Schuller. This questioner, I like him already. He says, how could the crosses you write sanctify the ego trip, make us proud in the light of the passages that say, I hate pride and arrogance, Proverbs 8.13, pride goes before destruction, the Lord detests all the proud, love does not boast, he's not proud, da-da-da-da, etc. And... Uh, Timothy warns that in the last day, men will come being lovers of themselves. Why should we do anything to encourage people to become lovers of themselves? If Paul warned against that, Shula says, I hope you don't preach that because you could hurt a lot of beautiful people. See? He says, there's nothing worse than to preach about the lost sinful condition of man. The Holy Spirit will come and convict of sin, righteousness, judgment. If I am not a sinner, I don't need a savior. You see? The other religions don't have a savior, so Jesus is taken out of the equation. And then he says the most effective mantra is employ the M sound, and you can re- feel it by repeating, I am, I am many times over. Did you know that the United Nations has a prayer room, and the Pentagon has a prayer room where they repeat, I am, I am, I am, I am, on a regular basis? This is occultism. Robert Schuller, reveal yourself to us. Do you qualify according to your listing? To be gone again, this is Robert Schuller writing, means that we must be changed from a negative to a positive self-image, from inferiority to self-esteem, from fear to love, from doubt to trust. We can pray, our Father in heaven, honorable is our name. Emphasis in the original. So what is he preaching? He's preaching that mankind is inherently God. This is spiritualism. This is the teaching of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Correct? Does he qualify for the Masonic interior circle according to what he's saying? Yes. All right. So I have no doubt to actually doubt that. Now who are his students? And this is where it gets very close to home. On his web page, this is his web page, there he is teaching his students, and his students include Bill Hybels and Rick Warren. Now, at the feet of which master would you want to sit? Well, now, let's think about that. Robert Schuller says, I found myself immediately attracted to Pope John Paul II when upon his election to the papacy, his published speeches invariably called attention to the need of recognizing the dignity of the human being as a child of God. So the need, the need, the need. Here's something coming up. The men who inspired Hybels, well, we don't have to go into all those details. Robert Schuller called Hybels, my son, I'm very proud of him. I can actually show you that. There's the quote for the skeptics. Here it is. 
I was the first person to introduce real church growth to the American church. He, Heibels, became the first guy to take these principles, refine them, maximize them to the ultimate length of their potential. I'm so proud of him, I think of him as a son. Now that's a man who says he's God. And by the way, did you see who endorsed his book at the bottom? Did you see the little name there? Did you see it? Dr. Billy Graham. Now, Rick Warren is the author of Purpose Driven Church. He talks about 40 days of purpose. When I hear 40 days, I get very nervous because in Catholicism and occultism, you have 40 days as a very important feature. 40 days of Lent, for example, of fasting. And the 40 days is a principle where you are enacting something that Jesus has already accomplished. Did Jesus fast 40 days and 40 nights? Yes or no? For whom? For us. He did it. So do I have to repeat it over and over and make myself an altar Christos? Yes or no? No. That's occultism. Now let's go a little carefully. George Barner, a prominent church growth strategist, says, Bill Heibels and Rick Warren have gone so far as to say, it is critical that we keep in mind the fundamental principle of Christian communication. The audience, not the message, is sovereign. So is this a man-based or a God-based religion? Man-based. Good. But these books are being spread wide even amongst us. Okay? Let's read from the pages themselves. They're all the quotes. You can check his own book. This is his own writing. Figure out what mood you want your service to project, then create it. We start positive, end positive. I don't mind that. We use humor, that's fine. Uh, it's not a sin to help people feel good. Cultivate an informal, relaxed atmosphere. We make a strategic decision to stop singing hymns in our seeker services. We have attracted thousands more because of our music. And, uh, yeah, the ground we have in common with unbelievers is not the Bible, but our common, there we have it, needs. Hurts, interests, human beings, you cannot start with a text. I am dead scared that needs-based religion, which sounds so very good and looks so good and feels so good, could take the place of the three angels' messages. Because if we recognize the needs in others and minister to their needs, we are good Christians. What if you are ministering to someone who is in death and will die even if ministered to? If you go to someone who is a deep occultist and you wipe his nose regularly, do you save him? No. You have to transform his mind. You have to show him the need for his savior and not to minister for his needs. By the way, this becomes very interesting now. Matthew 6.31 Therefore take no thought saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or wherewith will we shall be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If you become a Christian, who's your need supplier? God. You rely on him. God may use a brethren or someone from outside to supply your needs, that is so. 
but your primary objective is worshiping God. Your secondary objective, is this thing still working? Your secondary objective is helping others. Now, if you put that cast before the horse and you become the need supplier, which is very nice, and we all become Mother Teresa's, then what? You have taken the position which who claims for himself? God. And that's pantheism. Because you have taken the position of God and taken the 40 days upon you of purpose and you are going to be the needs supplier. You are the altar Christos. That's pantheism. See how sneakily it comes into the church? But make... My God shall supply all that your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I don't have to rely on anyone. I've learned to rely on Jesus Christ and he has never failed me and we have to lead people to Jesus. Now what does he say? The style of music you choose, you must match your music to the kind of people God wants your church to reach. That's a Vatican II dictum. Do you remember that? But Colossians 3.16 says, let, your, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Preaching in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Not to satisfy your own needs. God prescribed precisely what kind of worship he wanted. And you couldn't come there with the bongos and go berserk. You would be in trouble. Rick Warren states, there's no such thing as Christian music. There are only Christian lyrics. It is the words that make a song sacred, not the tune. There is no spiritual tunes. There are no spiritual tunes. He says, excuse me, let me go back there. God loves all kinds of music because he invented it all, fast and slow, loud and soft, old and new. There is no biblical style. Then why does Santana say that the spirit entity Metatron taught him to use a particular style to reach the youth? And Metatron, according to Morals and Dogma, is one of the names of Satan. Rick Warren states we use drums, clashing cymbals, loud trumpets, tambourines, stringed instruments. We're called the flock that likes to rock. That's interesting. Selective messages. The Holy Spirit never reveals itself in such message, in such bedlam of noise. This is an invention of Satan to cover up his ingenious message for making of none effect the pure, sincere, elevating, ennobling, sanctifying truth for this time. Better never have the worship of God blended with music than the use of musical instruments to do the work. And then she says, which she saw all kinds of things coming into the church People having a carnival thing and this is termed the Holy Spirit's working. Those things which have been in the past will be in the future. Satan will make music a snare by the way in which it is conducted. Now you can choose. You can choose saddleback theology and needs-based theology and take the place of Jesus Christ. Or we can worship Jesus Christ in truth and 
according to his methodology. That's our choice. It's all about choice. So this man was also listed, surely cannot be, on receiving an honor doctorate from a Roman Catholic college. He says the gospel that founded this Catholic college is the same one I preach. Here he is with the Pope. There is a whole book, Billy Graham and His Friends, written by Dr. Kathy Burns, which lists thousands of references as to his connections with the occult hierarchy. Thousands of them. You can read it for yourself. And uh, they say there's no difference. Graham told Shula during an interview, whether they come from the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, the Christian world, they are all members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. So this is the same kind of teaching. Billy Graham was the one who got Ronald Reagan to send an ambassador to the Vatican. He says so, yeah, in his own writing, in his own autobiography. And then he's an endorser of Alpha, the Alpha course. Now, I don't want to say much about the Alpha course, but these are people that meet, you know, in nice little groups, and you talk about Jesus, and uh, eventually you are led to charismatic worship and speaking in tongues, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in inverted commas. That's where it ultimately leads to. And the structure is that you have a coach. Hello? A coach. And normally 12 disciples around the coach. 12 around one. It's one of Satan's favorite little methods of counterfeiting Christ. So if you have a 12 around one coach, then who does the coach represent? An alter Christos. This is pantheism. Are we going to adopt it as well? Are we going to preach pantheism? Is the Omega going to be more startling than the Alpha? Or are we going to worship Jesus according to his standards? Billy Graham's conference... I wanted to give him a plug, says the Archbishop of Canterbury. You saw the Masons laying their cornerstones. Um, Protestant preachers on May 1997 on the David Frost program, Billy Graham said, I think Islam is misunderstood too because Muhammad had the great respect for Jesus and called Jesus the greatest of the prophets except himself. And I think that we're closer to Islam than we really think we are. When Islam says that Jesus is not the Son of God, and God is indignant if he's called the Son of God, and he never died for you, and there's no such thing as the atonement. And he says, we're fine with that. This doesn't sound Christian. Larry King live. Robert Shuler says the same thing. He says to the Grand Mufti, this is great. We and you are one. Now, Billy Graham does such a great work. He preaches about Jesus. He leads thousands of people to accept Jesus. But let me tell you something subtle. Did you know he has a team of over 800 workers, most of them which are Roman Catholic, many are Jesuits, and many are nuns, plus many Pentecostals and some others. And that he leads them straight back into their churches and back into Catholicism in particular. That's very strange. And then his preaching of Jesus is very eloquent, but it is a Jesus that you follow without picking up a cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. It is a Jesus that you follow without obligation to his law. 
It is an anomia, Jesus. And it doesn't matter where you come from, what culture, whether you are from the beast or whether you are from spiritualism, as long as we serve all the same deity, it's fine. So that's not my Jesus. My Jesus is the creator, Jesus, the expounder of the law of God. He's king of kings and lord of lords, and I acknowledge him and bow the knee and say, I will obey you, whatever. That's my Jesus. Now he attracts his crowds with music. And he uses bands such as Jars of Clay, Kirk Franklin, DC Talk. And uh, he speaks for up to 30 minutes. And then the band pounds out the music for the next two hours. Here are his bands. Kirk Franklin. One of his. He also includes Michael W. Smith, of course. DC Talk. C.C. Winans. Everything is documented. The Wall Street Journal tells us that Smith was using marijuana, LSD, cocaine at the same time he was penning gospel music. This is Michael W. Smith, one of the top, top Christian singers. Smith uses runic symbols on his records. That's occultism. He uses writing reversal. His name spelled backwards. That's what Satanists use, writing reverses. Uh, Alistair Crowley taught people to walk backwards, talk backwards, think backwards, speak backwards. Are these people for real? Or are they something else? Amy Grant is one of their great, great power singers they use in these uh, movements. There she is giving the devil's sign. Amy Grant on Michael W. Smith in concert twice. She gave the satanic salute. She's called the Madonna of Gospel Rock, and I won't tell you what she says from the stage. It's very well below the belts. DC Talk. And then the mega people also refer to the mega stars like Bono. And I told you the other evening, he said he was going to kick the prime minister's butt, didn't he? And everybody laughed. How could he do it? He can here he is with his satanic cross, the bent cross, symbol of Lucifer. And he's a friend of the popes. So he has clout. He's the friend of the presidents. There he is. And these mega rock stars with their satanic signs are friends of presidents. And I showed you some of their connections yesterday. Now this comes very interesting. Jars of Clay is another one. This group recorded for an R-rated film loaded with living lovers, nudity, profanities, obscenities. And these are Christian bands. What about the papacy itself? Isn't it interesting that the papacy uses the exact same bands as Billy Graham does? This is the youth march when he was in St. Louis. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to see the Pope, so I figured I'd better get out here and if I had my chance to do it. It's pretty exciting. It's a, it's a neat atmosphere with everybody gathering around to see such a world leader. It's, it's a very special day for St. Louis. Why did you do that to me? I don't want to play it again. Anyway, he used all the bands, and you can see them playing there. Uh, we won't play it again. We'll skip it. He used DC Talk. They pumped out the music. They did all of these things. The same bands. Catholicism and the other ones. This is a very interesting statement. This is from Benjamin Cream, the spokesman for Maitreya. And by the way, this is an official United Nations document. 
He said, Benjamin Cream, he said about the Maitreya, when he was asked about the Toronto blessing, he said his response was that he thought the Toronto blessing was a good thing. It is, according to him, the method being used by his spiritual masters to soften up Christian fundamentalists to accept the New Age Christ when he, becomes, when he comes. That's an admission out of an occultist's mouth. So the one who brought it about was Rodney Howard Brown, who's often seen giving the satanic salute like that. Reinhard Bonker is another very famous man. And this is the actual church in Toronto where the band Cowboy Junkies was doing a music concert. And it was recorded. And it says they're captured live at the Church of the Holy Trinity in Toronto, Canada, November 27, 1987, when this first thing started breaking out. My machine is very vexing. Now I'm going to not move so that you can hear this. I hope you can hear it. This is them playing in the church, captured live. It's very soothing music. It's mantra music. Sort of, you know, lets you drift away. Fight it. It's nice. Crazy and he scares me. But I want him by my side. Wild in his ways. Sometimes just plain mad. <clears throat> my machine. And we have to start that all over again. What's going on with this thing today? Well, maybe we need another angel, Lord. Sorry about that. You have to hear this. I'm going to put this thing down. Misguided angel. Misguided angel. 
Love you till death. Who were they singing to? Lucifer. In that church, openly, blatantly, and everybody is so spaced out they don't even notice. They're just worshipping. But let's look at the mega preachers. Kenneth Copeland. He says, you don't have a God in you, you are one. He says that Adam was God manifest in the flesh. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean a reproduction of himself in the Garden of Eden. He did just that. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not subordinate to God. Adam is as much like God as you could get. The same as Jesus. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifest in the flesh. Is that Masonic teaching? Yes or no? Yes. I showed it to you yesterday. Here he says, I'm not going to read the whole thing. He says that the Spirit of God spoke to him and says, you could have done the same thing. You could have been the people's savior because you're a reborn man too. Firstly, that makes Jesus reborn. That would make him a sinner. And secondly, he would make this man an altar Christos. That's spiritualism. Here he says, and I say this with all respect so that I don't upset you too bad, but I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. That's pretty blatant. By the way, this is his ministry cassette. What do you see on the cover there? Do you think that's chance? I'm just showing you some of these things so you can see the Masonic connection. The Jesuits will use the Masons to totally subvert the churches and spiritualism would come into the churches. Here he says the same thing. Just like Brigham Young, the Mormon leader, said Adam is our father and our God, so Copeland says the same and he uses all the Masonic symbols on his newsletters. Now here is a symbol of a rock star giving the satanic salute. So now let's watch Kenneth Copeland. On the spirit of faith. Oh, well. We'll just try it again. This is the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Today, Gloria Copeland, my wife, will be concluding her series Did on the spirit of faith. Now, that could be chance. That could be chance, right? So, let's just wait for the signal to return. Let's look again. Jesus' physical nature is the, he has the traits of his mother. Now, if you didn't know it, you wouldn't recognize that. But that was inner circle occult teaching. He had his finger like this and he said, Jesus' physical nature, uh, he had the traits of his mother. Now, Catholicism teaches that Christ got his sinlessness because Mary was immaculate. Everything that he had, he had because of his mother. 
But the mother is an anthropomorphizing of Isis, of Lucifer. So Jesus was subject to Lucifer. But the Bible says he got everything from his father. See the difference? Subtle occultism being preached by this man who says he's God. Here you have, when the signal returns, the Rima Church, which is the biggest mega charismatic church in the world. The founder is Kenneth Hagen, and, well, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah, he uses the Masonic symbols and uh, many sub-organizations. They work together with Oral Roberts. There's the Oral Robert ones with all the Masonic symbols built according to Solomon's Temple. And there it is. It doesn't even look like Solomon's Temple. It says there, pillars of the grand building of Pollock's. Solomon's temple with a Masonic M there in the front. I mean, it's brilliant. It's very clever. And this is the founder, Kenneth Hagen. And I want to play you one of his sermons. He took a very long time to work this sermon up. But look at it. laughing in the Lord, but look who's his guest. There he is. Who's that? That's Kenneth Copeland. But he doesn't get slain. He just jumps around. All right, enough already. So, is this spiritualism? Or is this the true worship of God? All right, here's Jesse Duplantis, mega preacher. I do know when I start doing things for God in a big way, like buying more television, there time, we go. Here's the devil's sign. Is it a chance? Let's wait and see for the signal. And let's try another one. Hidden channels of communication. God had prepared that man to meet us so Did we you could see be that? a blessing to him. That man to meet us? Who's he referring to? Well, are we sure we can't? We must not be what? Judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Let's let him say what he has to say. He says the words, I'm with Satan. I was a reciter of Lauren's word. I want to tell you something. I, re- I, I was a reciter of Lauren's word. I want to tell you something. I re- you hear it? He speaks very rapidly and he says, he flashes the devil's sign very quickly and says, I'm with Satan. Can't be. You're not serious. Well, let's try another one. I love you. See, God's not interested in you being a servant. He's interested in you being a son. But when you become a son, you're a son that serves. See? Did you hear him? But when you become a son, you're a son that serves. See? Wow. Now, what about Benny Hinn? He's a mega preacher. He says, don't tell me you have Jesus. You are everything he was and everything he is and everything he ever shall be. Don't say I have. Say I am, I am, I am, I am. That's the heart of occultism. That's Masonic teaching I showed it to you yesterday. The masonry will be used to accomplish its work amongst Protestantism. And there he is, the man himself. 
And uh, bless them that curse you. In the first clip here, you will hear Copeland cursing those that attack his ministry. I'm not attacking it. I'm just showing it, okay? Don't worry. And then you'll see... And there's more than one of them got cancer. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. I place a curse on every man and every woman that will stretch his hand against this anointing. I curse that man. Oops, we don't have to go any farther. further. The Bible says, bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. Now, let's look at the anointing. The anointing. Fire. To personal charisma and well-tried techniques of crowd manipulation, Benny Hinn adds another dramatic ingredient. Watch the choir now. Actually, it's an old hypnotist trick, and it's been around for hundreds of years. Fire on the choir. Fire. Oh, exit the choir. You must let every guard down. First, there's the classic hypnotic induction. You will not protect even your emotions anymore. You become completely open. Because the anointing demands that every part of you be open. And at those moments, you are extremely fragile. And extremely sensitive. We showed the footage to a professional hypnotist and he said, and I quote, this is something we do every day and Mr. Hinn is a real professional. Well, I would react by simply saying that these manifestations do happen. Yet, at the same time, the real, the divine is still there. Did he deny it? No. Yet the real and the divine is still there even though he's using hypnotism. What does the spirit of prophecy say is hypnotism? It's demonic. It's Satan taking over the mind because Jesus died for your freedom of choice. He would never coerce your mind or subject one mind to another. So he's right. He's not really lying. Fascinating. Thank you, Mr. Hinn. That was very interesting. Now, let's hear him say something else. Come on, people, let me hear a praise of ours. Did you hear it? Come on, people, let me hear a praise of ours. Clearly, he's addressing Satan himself. Now, here's an interesting interview with Larry King live. We're back on Larry King Live, Mount Carmel, Pennsylvania, with Pastor Benny Hinn. Hello. Yes, uh, good evening. I believe that there are false prophets out in the world today, and we've seen the televangelists who have fallen by the wayside. No, I was just wondering what really separates Mr. Hinn from the other TV evangelists out there. How do they know? It's quite simple. See, Jesus said, by the fruits you will know them. And uh, just watch the person's fruits. That's interesting. Now, this is something that came up. There was prominent news. It was totally squashed. It was on national television. 
It was an amateur video taken at one of his parties, and you will see what he's handing to his top aide who died from it that night. There he is. And there he's giving him the heroin pipe. That's his top aide. He died that night. The investigation just disappeared. Hello? It's quite simple. See, Jesus said, by the fruits you will know them. And uh, just watch the person's fruits. If they uh, display uh, a clean life, a Christian character, if they show true Christianity, then they're really for real. Well, does he have the fruits? Well, here's another one of his wife. Notice what she says. If your engine is not revving up, you know what you need? You need a Holy Ghost enema right up your rear end. That was short. This is blasphemy of the highest order. You need a Holy Ghost enema right up your whatever. Now, has spiritualism come into the churches, yes or no? Yes. So, is it not my duty to warn a child of God in that organization and to show him that that organization has become part of Babylon? That's the cry come out of Babylon. I show these to charismatics. In fact, charismatic churches themselves have shown them within churches. Do you know that whole churches come out with tears? Because they have... I had a campaign in a town called Riversdale. There were a horde of charismatics in my meeting. It's very painful to present this. And I'm not trying to bash their churches. I'm trying to save them. And they went outside and they gathered in a huddle on the steps, a whole group of them, and they wept. And then they came back inside and they hugged me and they said, thank you. And what an experience it is to call people out of darkness into the beautiful light that Jesus has for us in his word. T.B. Joshua is probably the greatest faith healer in the world today. I was sent to earth to save the world. He and Benihim are the ones who wear white. The others wear generally black. Another, well, Masonic signal. You know, the Masons hide everything in plain sight. Here's one of his posters of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, but the Arabic inscription actually says there is no deity except Allah. Now, if you know occultism, then Allah is merely the reverse of Yahweh, which is then pushed together and spells Allah, which is Satan is God. You know, we did that yesterday. That's why I had to do that difficult lecture. I know it upset many, but I had to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't even understand what I'm talking about tonight. Showing to you the subtle ways in which this deception creeps even into the heart of the apple of the Lord's eye where we replace 
the centrality of worship of Jesus Christ our Lord with the worship of self and taking his place. We have to beware what we do. The divine person in me can do a million things at the same time. Pantheism. I don't want to show too much of this one. It really nauseates me, but just a little. It's the same thing all the way. These are beautiful, charismatic Christian people wanting an experience. That's a Dutch Reformed minister standing over there who takes a plain load of people to this man. Speaking in tongues and things. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the healings that take place. And the people are in euphoria. It is happening already. There's a woman being healed who's never walked in her life. This is mysticism. Never walk. Well, let's watch her walk. See how the people are in euphoria? Alright, enough already. How did the lame man walk when Jesus cured him? He leapt for joy. You know, we are told that Satan will bind people and then release his bounds to make it appear like a miracle. And my, my heart goes out to these people. Doesn't it? Doesn't yours? Deceived in these lies. And I must assume because he's preaching in the name of Jesus Christ that he's preaching the same Jesus I'm teaching? Thank you, brother. Preaching. Let me tell you, when an occultist says Jesus Christ and he speaks esoterically, he means someone else. You cannot tell by the words. You cannot tell by the lyrics. The church of Satan sings the same hymns we sing. You wouldn't know the difference. And then the churches come together in Assisi in 1986. I'm almost finished with the torture. And at Assisi, all the religions of the world paid homage to the Pope. He became all things to all men, Islam, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism. In 1999, with the Dalai Lama by his side in Rome, 2,000 religious leaders paid homage to him. And they all agreed in condemning who? Christian fundamentalists who abuse speech and whose efforts at converting others incite hatred and violence. We're in trouble. Because human rights will prevent us from preaching this message because it is an act of violence to preach it. So maybe this is the last time I can say this. I'm saying it to my people. I'd love to scream it to the world. 
All present were in accord on two key points. John Paul II was endorsed by consensus as the planet's chief spiritual overseer. And religious fundamentalists who refuse to go along with the global ecumenical movement are to be silenced. They must be denounced as dangerous extremists full of hate. That's us. And I will show you that meeting. This was held at Rome. This is Italian television. It is full Masonic. Masonry has how many lights in a, in a lodge? Three. And there will be three candles. They will be lighting the light from three candles, the light of Lucifer, spreading it right through all the religions, and then they come and bow down and pay their homage according to the inscription we just read. And the rock band is Italy's band. Music. Three candles. Masonic ritual. At the Vatican Square. Dalai Lama. The Orthodox, the Muslim, the Eastern religion, sun worship, Zoroastrism, all of them bowed down to Japanese Buddhism, Orthodox. When they do something, they do it well. And the Spiegel published this. Now the Spiegel is another one of those insider magazines, just by the way. You have Julius Caesar giving the up finger, which is another, well, forget it. He's giving the up finger. And then you have this one over here. Who's who? Mussolini. Now, Julius Caesar stands for the emperor of Rome, and that one is the one who what? In 1929, granted the Vatican again its political status to qualify as a beast that is alive, right? So the two of them are honored, and they're not shy to say that here is the central one to whom it refers, the what? What is this? This is the whore of Revelation. They know who they are, and they are in your face, Jesus Christ, we will beat you because we represent Lucifer's kingdom. Revelation 17, 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. So tonight, we dealt with the second aspect of the loud cry, come out of Babylon message. Last night I dealt with a beast. Tonight it was the false prophet. And tomorrow night it will be the dragon. And then we will wrap it up in the next lecture.
to show you the very final events as prophesied not only by the Bible, but by Rome itself. And then it gets very close to home. Brothers and sisters, we have a message to bear. The three angels' messages. May God help us to deliver it wisely, non-judgmentally, but nevertheless directly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have sent your Son to die so that all who might believe in you should not perish but have eternal life. What would we do without you? You are a God of love and a God of kindness. Lord, if we cry over our children when they go astray, when they are in bad company, if we weep our pillows wet, what must you be doing? And Lord, you have a people who know and have known for over 150 years and people are dying. Help us to wake up and to bring the loud cry so that you can come and take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit amazingdiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.